The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 17th chapter. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John his brother and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah, talking with him. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. He was still speaking when, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise and have no fear. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. And as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus commanded them, Tell no one the vision until the Son of Man is raised from the dead. This is the Gospel of the Lord. In the holy name of Jesus. Amen. Light. Specifically, the light of the sun. That's the image that Socrates uses in Plato's allegory of the cave for that which is ultimate. Now in Socrates' dialogue, the ultimate thing is actually the idea of the good. And proximity with that is terrifying, painful. And for that reason, Socrates pictures people like prisoners in a dark cave, restricted to looking at nothing but shadows on a wall. For them, approaching the light of the sun hurts. It's terrifying. Just before being taken up on that high mountain with Jesus, Peter, James, and John had been faced up to something ultimate. St. Paul would later refer to that thing as the word of the cross. Now these three knew something about Jesus. They knew more than the John and Jane Doe's of the crowds knew. They knew that he was the Messiah, the son of the living God. But no sooner had Peter voiced that true conclusion than Jesus assaulted their ears with words which, had those words been light to their eyes, would have burned like staring at the sun. I must go up to Jerusalem, suffer many things, and be killed. Now, when Peter pushed back on those words, Jesus doubled down. 
If anyone would come after me, he replied, let him take up his cross, deny himself, and follow me. For whoever loses his life will save it, and whoever would save his life will lose it. The Gospel lesson for the Feast of the Transfiguration begins with these words, after six days. Six days before they went up on the mountain, Jesus had spoken ultimate words. He had indicated the conclusion of his message, the essence of his ministry and his movement, a cross, and his disciples could not bear what they heard. So, everything that happens on the mountain happens for the disciples. And how Matthew records this story makes that clear. He writes, he was transfigured before them. And then he says, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah. Because they cannot hear, Jesus allows the disciples to see. And what they get to see is a different version, a truer version, of that about which they could not bear to hear. Life, the soul, for what will it profit a man, Jesus had asked them, if he gains the whole world and forfeits his life, his soul? Now they had seen Jesus, as I see you and as you can look at me, but they had not seen all that was in him. They had not seen his life, his soul. And this he displays. And it's pure light, such that behind Jesus' face is shining something like the sun. The vision, as Jesus calls it, is pure mercy. For disciples who can't bear the ultimate, who can't hear the core and the culmination of Jesus' message, he gives a vision. And they can't hear. And they don't listen. In fact, Peter interrupts. Can you imagine a greater interruption than interrupting Jesus talking with Moses and Elijah? And then, interrupting Peter gets interrupted by a radiant cloud which, quote-unquote, overshadows the whole scene with its light. And then words that were spoken first for Jesus at his baptism are now also spoken for his disciples. Had they got it wrong? Had, had Peter answered incorrectly? No. This is, in fact, the Son, the beloved Son of the living God. But there is more. Listen to him. So we must ask, is it the voice itself that drops them terrified to the ground? 
Or is it the content of what is said? Because listening to that son would mean listening to his word of the cross. But then everything that's happening here is happening for the disciples. Seeing is happening for hearing. And now, touch happens for seeing, which happens for hearing. Jesus came and touched them, saying, rise and have no fear. Touched. That particular verb can also be translated illuminated, lit, kindled. Jesus, sun and light, lit them up with his touch. And with that having been done, they take a look again, and they see Jesus alone, unique, like nobody else. Lent, friends, happens for disciples like Peter and James and John. We get 40 days to hear the word of the cross. We get 40 days to tread an often dark and opaque path of renunciation and loss and to discover things that are hidden and being revealed. We get to take stock of our lives, our souls, and we get to wonder at that luminous soul of the beloved Son of the living God who willingly made the ultimate distillation of his message the goal toward which he turned himself. Or you might say it this way, it takes a transfiguration to do a Lent. It takes the verified hope of glory to hear the word of the cross and to walk toward it. The touch of light, the vision of Christ's life, opened hearing again for Peter and James and John. Coming down the mountain, we find them listening to him. And what a God, what a job that God did on that interrupting Peter. We were hearing from his final epistle this morning, in which we find him ready for death, which he would undergo on a cross. And he's not interrupting anybody anymore. Instead, he has joined the conversation of Moses and Elijah. He himself is now speaking and writing a sure prophetic word that shines like a lamp in a dark place. Friends, if the word of the cross sounds like it's too much for you, you're right. It does speak of something ultimate that lies beyond our powers. But Peter is your witness to the hope of glory. And not just a glory that he saw on that mountain, but a glory that he saw after seeing an empty tomb, the glory of the crucified Christ resurrected. And unlike any idea high above everything you could ever perceive with your senses. Jesus 
kindling and transfiguring light draws near to you as touch. Divine light and life touched to you by mortal body and blood in his holy supper. So you may think that you can't bear the cross, that you can't willingly lose the life that you are struggling so desperately to hold together. But everything here is happening for you. The words, the vision of glory delivered by the apostolic witness, and the touch of encounter, incarnate light that's about to come for you again. And just as it was with Peter, so it is with you as well. Christ has a transformation in store. In the holy name of Jesus. Amen.